0: Welcome to the Pulse Podcast. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Rick Siegel is the professor and chair of the Department of Health Professions, College of Health Professions at the Medical University of South Carolina. Rick has spent decades in this profession, and over the years, he's acquired years of education, advanced degrees, professional experience, and volunteer service. Today, Rick hopes to advise future physical therapists and physical therapist assistants on the many career paths available within our profession. In this episode, Rick guides listeners as to how they can discover their career interests, what to do once they narrow down their options, and further insight on how to advance within our field and move our profession forward. Here's our conversation with Rick. Rick, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Before we get started, let's have you introduce yourself to listeners.
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Rick Siegel. I have been a member of the American Physical Therapy Association for many, many years. I have a bachelor's degree in physical therapy from Ohio State, and a PhD in uh, neuroscience and anatomy from the University of Virginia. I also have done a couple of sabbaticals for further training, and a leadership training program at Harvard University. Uh, My position right now is chair of the Department of Health Professions at the Medical University of South Carolina. And in that role, I am over uh, academic programs that uh, usually end up with a professional license. So the physical therapy program is a division within my department, as well as occupational therapy, speech-language pathology, physician assistant, uh, anesthesia for nurses, perfusionists, people that do cardiac bypass, and we have a pathway bachelor's program for people that are transitioning from two year schools to get a bachelor's degree. I'm also a neurologic researcher looking at neurologic recovery after stroke and spinal cord injury. And most of the work I deal with right now is more in the role of mentorship for junior faculty members to be more successful in writing. Grants and developing their careers so that I'm involved with four NIH grants that help with that. And I'm also on the Professional Development Committee for the Society for Neuroscience. Finally, I'm one of the founders of the American Council on Academic Physical Therapy and was on their board for a number of years. And I'm still connected as the chair of a task force as trying to look at ways to develop fellowships, research fellowships, for people that have a DPT degree and not a full research degree. So I think that's enough about me.
0: Well, that's uh, quite the resume. Truly impressive, uh, and congratulations on all of that. Um, so before we jump into our conversation about pursuing a career in academia or other career paths, uh, can you tell us a little bit about ACAPT?
1: Sure. So uh, I've I've been off the board for now. I guess it's almost two years or something like that. But ACAPT was formed uh, a number of years ago because physical therapy did not have an official group that dealt with academic institutions. So for example, uh, the AAMC, which is the American Associ- the Association of American Medical Colleges is a group that really helps coordinate and develop uh, education within medicine. And so in the, uh, around 2008 or 9, discussions began to form, to try to form an organization such as that for physical therapy, and ultimately that's where ACAPS came from. And it's really about advancing institutions, not individual faculty members institutions, so it includes faculty members, the students, and everything that's associated with institutions. And I would say that it was a big change in our profession, and so one of the things that we really emphasize is trying to continually improve the quality of programs, uh, discuss a lot of the issues that cut across programs such as clinical education, a lot of work has been done in that area, how can we develop our research infrastructure and capacity so we have uh, consortiums that deal with things like that, like the research-intensive physical therapy program consortium. So a different consortia throughout ACAP to deal with specific issues. Certainly, education, clinical education, have been the primary focus of of ACAP, and it's really a fledgling organization that I think has done remarkably well and we'll continue to do well as long as we are held accountable and that we do what the institutions need to do. And it's going to raise the bar. We hope that it raises the bar of everything we do so that physical therapy can become greater and greater.
0: And now for a quick break. Official guidance is changing rapidly as the COVID-19 outbreak continues to evolve. APTA has set up a webpage to keep you informed at www dot apta.org slash coronavirus. Please visit regularly and stay safe. We're all in this together. Now let's return to the show. And for those students who want to learn more about ACAPT, uh, you can visit their website at dot org. Uh, and the website for them will be in our show notes. Uh, So now, Rick, let's talk about choosing a career path, and specifically, uh, let's dive into academia, research, and the like. Um, So speaking to our listeners, many are students and new grads. uh, They're in this profession, and the assumption is that usually you'll graduate, become credentialed, and go into clinical practice. So can you talk about why listeners should maybe think beyond the clinic as far as their career path?
1: Good question. I hope I don't stray a little bit. I think one of the things that's really first and foremost that is to change the mindset of some of our prospective students, students within the programs or new grads, and to not thinking about looking for job pathways or jobs, but to think about physical therapy as a career. And I think if you think of physical therapy as a career, then you start thinking about the options that you may choose. And some of us who are older and have been around for a while that somehow had a light bulb turn off in our heads at some point realize we have had different trajectories uh, during our career. So that, for example, I was in practice, but then I went back to graduate school because I was lucky enough as a PT student to be able to be a TA in an anatomy class, so I decided that it was, and I enjoyed it, that I would be able to pursue a degree in academics. But I made career choices, not looking for the job that paid the most when I came out, but the jobs that, the positions is a better term, that might help me be set up for a career. So I think the the choices you have to make are talk with people, look around and say, what are some of the one or two or maybe three potential options for my future and what can I do to try to give me some exposure so that I have a taste of those potential trajectories and then maybe get the training I need if I decide one of those or two of those are the way I want to go. So, for example, if you feel like, Hmm, I like what my teachers are doing within the program, then what can I do while I'm in the program to get a little bit more exposure or set me up to potentially get some extra training? So if it's research, volunteer or to be in somebody's research lab. If you do that, make sure you bargain with that person so that you get a real experience so that you get, in fact, Something that for you could be on a paper, or that you're actually really involved in patient recruitment or whatever it is, to so get a feel for it. And you can say, I really did this. Now, if it's teaching, how can you help out in labs for classes that uh, occurred earlier in the program? Anything that can help you get some experience would be helpful, because when you finish, you're gonna have a really kind of a couple of options if you wanna go into academics. And one of those options could be that you could be a teaching assistant or an adjunct faculty member. Or another option is I'm gonna go to graduate school or do a fellowship to try to get me more training. So thinking ahead, talking with people, might help you set up uh, how to best prepare yourself to really look at some of these different career pathways And be set up to be accepted into programs that help you get, you know, go through one of those pathways. Physical therapy is a, uh, an amazing, uh, profession in regards to being able to change, take different career paths. So I have many faculty here at MUSC who came from the clinic and now are on faculty whether they're doing research or they're mostly teaching or they're doing some combination, they got some exposure as clinicians. They had that special desire to want to be an academician, and they bridged the gap between clinic and academics, which is so important for us in our future.
0: And I will say, I think uh, considering I'm not a PT or a PTA I heard what you said as uh, being really similar to when you're exposed to different settings and specialties um, throughout your school and a new grad career. Um, and you're suggesting doing the same as far as career types and avenues. Um, and I will say, I really admire the profession for being so versatile. Uh, a lot of professions, you graduate, you take your exam, and you have one or a few options as to what you can do. Um, And PTs and PTAs are really fortunate that you guys have so many options and flexibility at really any point in your career uh, within the same profession. Um, Okay, so next question. Um, Let's talk about how you narrow down those interests that you mentioned. Um, You talked about so many options like the clinic, academia, research, etc., um how do you advise students and new grads to narrow down options um in what I would imagine would be a pretty overwhelming scenario uh to try to figure out
1: Yeah it, well I I agree there are lots of options I think that people that if you have any inkling that research might be something you're interested in that is in, in early in the program uh I think that is one you want to just try to get some experience while you're at the institution. It it is kind of vital to try to do that sooner versus later, because usually an academic institution, particularly ones that have more research going on, this is the best way to get some sort of structured experience. On the other hand, if you're thinking you don't know which specialty in PT to do, there's a little bit more time to grow into that. And so, in fact, you probably don't want to make a decision too soon. You want to get exposed to these various uh, potential specialties. And then I think there's sort of this I don't, don't want to call it a natural feeling, but there's something that's really going to turn you on. It may be something about what is behind what you're doing and what's the science behind it, but also maybe your affinity for those types of patients, that really attracts you. And you have a little bit more time, I think, to make that decision, and then you can do be out in practice for a little bit, saying, okay, I'm going to try to go to two practice settings in my first four years or something like that to get exposed to a couple of things, and then maybe do a residency program in the one that you're really excited about. So I think you have a little bit more time there. I think some people come into uh, physical therapy educational programs thinking they want to be a musculoskeletal therapist, for example, and all of a sudden they realize that maybe they're more interested in neuro, or if they have good faculty, they may realize, I need to know both of those to do either one of them well. And so I think there's a little bit more time with that. As far as teaching, I think it depends on what kind of institution you're at, as to whether you have any kind of teaching opportunities, but I think that if you take a position in a, in, a, in a clinic, you can also get opportunities for doing some continuing education through that clinic, or there may be a program in the area that may need some people to be helping the lab or something like that. But you can be, I think you can be uh, thoughtful <coughs> about uh, teaching too. I mean, I think there are ways to try to get that experience and and think about ways to enhance your uh, background, either in the program or right afterwards. Uh, I think there's going to be more and more opportunity for people to get exposure and then some rigorous training in academics, even if you only have the terminal OT, uh, PT degree, DPT, because we have such a great shortage of faculty. And in fact, it's it's, it's kind of a, a battle we have within the profession: is that we're required by our accrediting body, CAPTI, to have 50% PhD or EdD faculty, and uh, that the DPT can't be over 50%. And that is a is a uh, a bit of a problem because it's, it takes a long time to, to get those uh, graduate degrees and we want them to be good ones. So look for opportunities. There may be some new ones popping up so you can get into academics.
0: Okay, so let's build off of that a little bit. Um, so let's say a student decides academia is something they want to pursue in their career or research, you know, use those as scenarios. Uh, what are your recommendations for First Steps uh, to pursuing those paths?
1: Well, that's, that's, that's a good question. I think that hopefully you have some mentors in your program and that you are uh, feel empowered to talk to them about careers. I think also going to different conferences like combined sections meeting allows you to get exposed to what is going on, and there may be uh, booths in the exhibit hall or uh, special interest groups that might be places for you to talk to people. But I would be bash I would not be bashful if you're thinking that you're interested in neuro, being a uh, neurologic specialist uh, that will be involved in teaching so that you can be involved with residency programs, for example. Look up which what are some of the best programs and make contact with their leadership and, and talk to different people. and Talk about what is their program like. If you're interested in going to a PhD or an EDD program, for example, you need to look for the ones that are in your interest area. If you can't find, talk to your faculty. I think for all of these things that are for you to advance your career and maybe put you in the position to be a faculty member, I can't say this with more clarity. You need to go to rigorous programs. There are some fly-by-night PhD programs, I will not name them, where you might even be able to get your degree in two years. There's no way in the world you're going to get the training that you need. And even though we do have a shortage now, we don't want to fill that shortage with people that are not qualified because that makes us look bad to other healthcare professionals. So whatever you do, do it well. Do it in a rigorous program or a rigorous fellowship or a rigorous residency so that when when you're in the job market, so to speak, you look good, you are good, and that when you get into a faculty position, for example, you're going to be successful.
0: So Rick, uh, admittedly, I just thought of this as you were talking. Um, but do you think there's something to PTs or, uh, PTAs considering education just beyond, uh, PT or PTA school? Um, you mentioned a PhD if you want to go into academics, for instance, but in general, do you think there's a need for higher education within the profession?
1: Well, it's a, it's, no, it's a very good question. And, one of the things that it's not just physical therapy, but one of the things that's really been unfortunate in healthcare is that a lot of you know we don't have research that shows us everything, okay? But we've got more research in all of healthcare professions. Having that be implemented in practice it takes a long time and a lot of things don't get implemented. Now some of that is because we haven't done a good job, or we don't have the information to lobby well enough. But I think the thing that's really important is to keep up with the information, uh, whether it be only through continuing education programs, but be willing to try to implement it if it's evidence-based or work with people that want to implement it. We need to change practice. So I am not a believer in taking any type of course or any continuing education uh, or getting a degree just so I have that piece of paper in my CV. That's the, the wrong reason. The right reason is for you to be better at what you're doing so that your patients and the profession are better. And I think if you keep that in mind, you'll choose the right continuing education courses and you'll try to utilize that information to impact practice or and so I think that's really really a, a very important thing so continuing education is still an important part of what we do is and I think it becomes more important when you remember it's not just to check off a box you want to check do things that actually make a difference
0: last question for you Rick uh, so let's motivate our listeners many students are grinding uh, just trying to learn everything they can uh, get solid grades ace their clinicals and really just graduate Um, so what would be your pep talk to those students to encourage them to continue on uh, to pursue alternate career options uh, to not see graduating with a dpt or pta degree as their final destination
1: and a very good question Uh, i think i would have a lot to say to somebody, first of all, the person who struggles in, in school, and I've been teaching for uh, 37 years, uh, some of my students that struggled the most became outstanding clinicians. And I think that through their struggles, they learned about themselves and they learn what they really enjoy because sometimes you struggle because you don't know what you really want to do. But I think that the person who is uh, struggling a little bit right now is we need to expose them to success stories. And that people that can say, "Yes, this was this was tough. I was struggling through neuroscience class and then the light bulb went off." But it took a while, but when that light bulb went up, it o- it opened up a lot of windows of opportunity for me, both clinically and to do teaching. So I think making sure that all of our students were not just saying, let's figure out how we can have them pass, you know, that's not the end point. The end point is, okay, they've had some struggles, how do we get them to be continue to be motivated and let them realize that they could be on top of their profession if they're persistent and they get into the right niche. So we need to mentor them during this time. It's a very important time, and it's not just about how you take tests. It's about how do you think about what is going to be motivating, inspiring for them in the future. And if we can hook them up with people that have had similar paths, I think we can get them highly motivated.
0: Rick, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. This is great.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. I hope that it was adequate. Um, Students are the future. And uh, no matter what anybody says about the millennials and so forth, what a great generation. So good luck, all of you students. And know that we are here to try to help you be the best.
0: To learn more about ACAPT, visit their website at www.acapt.org. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.